0: a lamp to our feet and a light to our path and it's what teaches us what we need to know it's what leads us in those dark times in our lives. so we're so glad that you're here that you've come out this morning hold your bibles high repeat this after me say father in heaven thank you for this word it's the absolute truth and i believe it it's your personal love letter to me and i receive it it's the answer to my questions and the answer to the world's issues Lord, today my ears are ready to hear your word, my heart is ready to receive your word, and I by faith am ready to be a doer of the word under all circumstances. In Jesus' name, Father, I pray the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Let me only say what you would have me say. Let me only do what you would have me do this morning. We ask these things and thank you for them. In Jesus' name, and all who agreed said, Amen. Amen. If you're new to church, Amen simply means, so be it, or it is so. So when we say all our prayer requests, we say Amen at the end because we're saying we want it to be so. Whatever you declare on earth... Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. So whatever you say is going to happen on earth, it's going to happen. All right. We're talking about prayer here in d 2 How many of you have ever heard of prayer? How many ever prayed before, tried to pray, struggled in prayer? Anyone ever struggled in prayer? I don't really know how to pray. I heard somebody say you just talk to Jesus. Well, we're talking about how to talk to Jesus and how to pray. Would you open up your Bibles, please, to the book of Matthew? If you do not have a Bible and you're new to uh, D2L, would you put your hand? We'd like to get a Bible into your hands. And, and no worries here, which we'll hook you up with one. Okay, we got a couple Bibles over here. We've got a brand new bookcase in the back that's been built for us, so we've got the Bibles there. We want to hold your hands high so Mr. Willie or Mr. Chris can get you a Bible. Once you get to your Bible, now we're going to need some help. We've got some new people. Turn around, see if someone needs some help. Go to the book of Matthew chapter 6. Everyone say Matthew. Matthew. Chapter 6. Okay, verse 9. Matthew chapter 6, 9. Two Bibles right here. Help your neighbor find it. If you need help finding the book of Matthew, just simply raise your hand and we will help you. What's up? Okay, we got one more coming right here. The Book of Matthew. Once you get to Matthew, go to verse nine and look up at me. Help your neighbor. Matthew chapter nine, chapter six, verse nine. Matthew chapter six, verse nine. Hi, Joanne. How are you? Once you get there, just simply say, I got it. it. You're there, say, I got it. it. Okay, everyone look up at me. How many of you have ever tried to pray, right? Maybe you're you're laying in bed, your head's on your pillow, and you're you're going in and out of consciousness, you're falling asleep, and you know you're supposed to be praying, or you actually force yourself off the bed, and you get on your knees and start praying, or you're walking around trying to stay awake, and you try to pray, and all of a sudden, you just feel like, man, I I, I can't pray anymore. Forget this. I don't know how to talk to God, and it's not working. Anyone ever feel like that? What's happened is you hit a wall in prayer, what's called a wall in prayer. And what you need to do, God wants to tell you this morning, what you need to do is begin to press beyond that, okay? If you feel like you hit this wall, that your prayers aren't getting answered, that you're not communicating with God and it's it's not working in your life, God wants to tell you this morning, get beyond that. Maybe getting beyond that means when you hit that wall and you just want to walk away, like, I'm not praying anymore, forget this. Once you feel like that, Just pray a little bit longer. Maybe if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you begin to pray in the Spirit. Maybe if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, you just begin to meditate on who God is. What does that mean, man? Um... No, that's not what it means. What it means is you begin to fill your mind and your heart and your mouth with who God is. God is awesome. God is majestic. He is righteous. He is amazing. There's no one that's gloried like Him. There's no one in heaven or earth like Him. That's meditating on who He is. So God wants you to know this morning, if you feel like you hit that wall, and all you want to do is stand up, turn around, and walk away and forget this whole thing, Press through that wall this morning, okay? Press through that wall. Begin to pray a little bit more deeper. Begin to pray a little bit more aggressive and get serious. The Bible says that the, uh, the, the fervent prayer, which means the, re- the aggressive prayer of the righteous, makes a lot of things happen. So we need to be aggressive in our prayer. But we've been talking about the model prayer. How many of have ever heard the Our Father prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our... De- uh, I just confused myself. As we forgive our debtors, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Who's heard that prayer before? Sometimes we pray that prayer and we just pray the words, but Jesus wasn't giving us so much the words to pray as he was the heart. This is how you should come before God. That's what he said. Come before God and recognize he's your father. Come before God and recognize he is in heaven, which means he is so far above all earthly limitations. You know, the speed limit on the highway is about 55, 65 miles an hour. God has no speed limit. He is just, boom, he's just there. There is no speed limit on God. There is no limit. So he is above all earthly limitations. Then the Bible says, hallowed be your name. What does that mean? That means that in your mind, God has got to be so big. You have to see that God is so big. His character is not like any human. His authority is not like any human. He has more authority than the president. He has more authority than the UN. He has more authority than every world nation combined. He has more authority than the nations combined with the aliens in the universe. And everyone came together from this planet and this planet and this planet. He has all more authority than everyone. I don't know if you believe in aliens, but I don't. But I'm just trying to say, he has more authority. So get that in your mind. The next thing that Jesus says is start asking God for what you need daily. Jesus said, give me this day my daily bread. We talked about that last week. What is it you need today? Probably it's not food. You're going to go home from here and eat in just a little while. But you do have needs. Maybe you need help in a relationship with mom and dad because you're just ready to, or they're ready to tear your head off. Maybe you need help in a relationship with your sibling because they are driving you crazy. Maybe you have a friend who's betrayed you. You need help in that relationship. Or maybe you got something going on nobody knows about. You need help. Give me today what I need. The next thing I want you to see, are you in verse six, chapter, chapter, chapter six, verse nine? Let's go. Matthew chapter six, verse nine. If you're there, say, I got it. In this manner, therefore pray. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Go back to verse 12, please. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This morning... What I want to talk to you about is forgiveness. We have been talking about how to pray, how we come before God. And in the very beginning of this this session, we talked about how sometimes when we wake up in the morning, the first thing we, we want to do is tell God how much we've sinned. God, I'm sorry I did this. I'm sorry I did this. And we go through this list. And that's not how God wants us to come before him. But there is a time to come before God and acknowledge your debt. What is a debt? Just shout it out. What's it? Yeah, it's something you owe. Everyone say debt is something you owe. Okay, let me help you understand. Do you owe God any money? Well, some of you may if you haven't been tied in an offering, but that's not what I'm asking. What is, it, what is it you owe God? Do you know what you owe God? Jesus said, forgive our debts. What, what does that mean? Forgive our debt? What do I owe God? Your lives? Sure. What else? Becky? The payment for our sin. See, what we owe God, Jesus said, forgive our debts. A debt is something you owe. What we owe God is payment for our sin. Say, we talking about, man, I'm a good person. I haven't sinned. Well, hold on to that thought for a second. Jesus says, forgive our debts. We owe God a payment for our sin. Now I know that no one likes to hear that in the 21st century, but it's the truth. We have a responsibility, we owe God when we have sinned and transgressed his law. What is his law? Well, you look at the Ten Commandments, you look at all, that. that's, that's God's law. And how are we supposed to be able to pay that debt? Well, the truth is, what Jesus is talking about is Jesus is the only one that can pay The price for our sin. When Jesus said, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors, he is teaching us to see that we need God to forgive our sin. The debt that Jesus is talking about is our sin. Now you say, what are you talking about, man? I've been a good person my whole life. I helped the old lady cross the street. I helped my grandmother, my grandfather. I mow the lawn. I do all these great things. I even do the dishes. I take out the trash when my mom doesn't ask. You know, you do all those things. But I want you to check out a scripture here. Go to Romans chapter 3, the book of Romans. Keep turning to the right. Romans chapter 3. Because this is the whole point of the cross. Let me ask you this question for those of you who are new here. How many of have ever seen the cross during Easter time? Where you've seen Jesus on the cross? Anyone ever see that picture of Jesus on the cross? Anyone ever, ever? Who's seen that picture? Yeah. Who's seen a cross around people's necks? A lot of people are rocking the cross. A lot of people are wearing Jesus around their neck and they don't even know what it means. I'm about to tell you what it means. Go to Romans chapter 3, please. The whole point... Of the cross is right here Romans chapter 3 go to verse 23 when you're there say I got it Romans chapter 3 verse 23 okay if you were in the book of Matthew you're gonna go to Luke I'm sorry Mark Luke John Acts and then the book of Romans if you're there say I got it one more time for me to hear was there Okay, here we go. Romans chapter 3, 23 says, For all have sinned, and all fall short of the glory of God. How many have sinned? How many have sinned? Okay, so if you're in this room right now, and you say, But Mr. Kurt, I'm a good person. I don't care what you think. The Bible says that we have all sinned. Now, this is the 21st century. We live in America. You don't walk up to people and say, Hey, you're a sinner people don't want to hear that but the truth is the truth is that we need a savior that's the whole point of the cross that's the whole point of jesus because we have all sinned and we come short of god's standard you know what god's standard is god's standard is the ten commandments god's standard for humans is the ten commandments and do you know the bible says that humans had a hard time fulfilling the ten commandments so god gave us the perfect one who's the perfect one good. His name is Jesus. He is the perfect one. He's fully God and fully man. Jesus came to this earth, and do you know what he did? He didn't abolish or get rid of the Ten Commandments like our Supreme Court wants to do in America. No, the Bible says that he fulfilled the Ten Commandments. In other words, everything that you were supposed to do, he did for you. So when you see that picture of Jesus on the cross, that's where obeying the Ten Commandments brought him. Because we have all sinned, and we all come short of God's standard. But Jesus said, you know what? I know that these humans have turned their back on you, Father God, but you send me down there, and I'll take the punishment that they deserve. I'll take the payment for their sin. Forgive us this debt. Jesus took your debt upon himself and nailed it to the cross. So we can say we're good people, but the truth is, the Bible says that we have all come short. Not one of us meets the standard that God has for a human, not one of us. So God gave us Jesus. Now I want you to go over a couple more books to the right to the book of First John. Help your neighbor find First John. First John appears before second and third John. <laughs> I was wondering if I'd get any laugh out of that this morning, am I? First John, chapter one, please. Verse 8, 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, verse 8. A lot of people don't know what it means to be born again. In fact, there may be some of you in the stream who say, you know, what is this born again Christian talk? What, what is this all about? Well, I'm about to show you right here. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. Are you, if you're there, say, I got it. Okay, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Okay, now, I want you to hear me. That person that you know, maybe your grandma says, oh, don't worry, I'm going to heaven, I'm a good person. They don't talk like that up here, because we're not from the south, but um, no, I know, but Maybe your grandma, she said, I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person, and and don't don't worry about sin. Well, the truth is, you know, don't go up to your grandma and say, Grandma, no, you're going to hell because you have not recognized that you're a sinner. Don't don't do that. What I'm trying to get you to realize is is that we have to acknowledge, keep reading, chapter chapter 1, verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not really in us. Verse 9, if, however, we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Righteousness. You see, you can start off right now and live the rest of your life and tell yourself you're a good person, you'll make it into heaven. But the truth is, God has a bigger plan for your life than just making it into heaven. And the second truth is, He has a perfect relationship that He wants with you. In order for Him to have that relationship with you, you have to acknowledge I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. That's what being born again is all about, recognizing that you can't make yourself good enough for God, but God already did that for you through Jesus Christ. And that's what it means to be born again. That's what it means to be saved. How many of you, if you were out there in the middle of the ocean, your boat is capsized, and there's not even a plank of wood for you to hold on to, how many of you would just go down into the water and just accept that you're going to die? You just... How many of you say, you know what, that's it, it's over, and just go sink right down to the bottom of the ocean, just suck up all the water that you can? Or how many of you, with, with your last ounce of breath, would just stretch your hand up in the air and hope that someone comes by to pull you out? How many of you do that? The rest of you is going to be like, oh, forget this, I'm going to die. <laughs> but when, we, when we're not born again and we haven't been saved... We're just, we're just drowning in the ocean, and we don't even realize it. But when you acknowledge that you need a Savior because you can't meet God's standard, that's what it means to be born again, and that's what it means to be saved. Because when you say, I'm a sinner, and I can't do it without you, you put on what's called the righteousness of God, and you no longer are the sinner, but you are now the saved of God. So when people ask me, man, what's your religion? I said, well, I'm a born-again Christian born again? What does that mean? Well, I recognized that I was a sinner, that I needed a Savior. And Buddha couldn't do it. Muhammad couldn't do it. Krishna couldn't do it. Scientology couldn't do it. Christian science couldn't do it. No, God gave us Jesus. God gave us Jesus. Jesus is the only one that's been given that can wipe away our sin. Jesus said, forgive our debts. He took our debt upon himself. And he took that debt and was nailed to the cross. So if we say that we don't have sin, we've deceived ourselves. And if we say that we don't have sin, we call God a liar. <laughs> the Bible says in Numbers twenty-three nineteen that God is not a man that he should lie. So God's not the liar. We need to acknowledge that without Christ, we're sinners. And that's what it means to be born again. But here's the second part I want you to see. Go back to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. Because we're talking about forgive our debts. As we forgive our debtors. Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. We're going to read it again. I'm just going to read it again. It says, And forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. Listen to me very carefully. Jesus says, When you pray to God, this is how you should pray God, forgive my debt as I forgive my debtors. There's two parts to this here. Number one, recognizing you need God's forgiveness. But here's what I want you to see. According to this scripture, God's forgiveness in your life is contingent upon what? Becky? Becky, say it loud. (laughs) Jesus said to God, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. If we want to be forgiven by God, then we have to learn to forgive others. And I'm here to tell you this morning that there are those of you in this room, myself included that have not forgiven some people that are holding grudges against people. And Jesus says that if you really want to be forgiven by God, you have to first forgive others. Read verse 15 with me. It says, "'If you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses.'" You're in the book of Matthew chapter 6. Turn a few pages to the right. Go to chapter 18. I need to show you some important things here. You say, man, that's a heavy word. You're you're absolutely right. It's a heavy word. Jesus says if you want to be forgiven, you must forgive. Our forgiveness from God is based on our ability to forgive others. Say, that's crazy, Mr. Kurt. I didn't write the book. Chapter 18, verse 21. Matthew chapter 18. When you get there, say, I got it. Then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Pull out your iPhone, your iPod. How much is 70 times seven? How much is 70 times seven? Huh? Huh? You are smart. 490. What's your name? Jeremy. Jeremy got it right. 490. Did you do that in your head? 490. Okay, watch this now. Hear me. The, the God, Peter says, watch me. Look up. Look up here. Jesus says, listen, you know, if Melson comes and he, and he sins against me, by the seventh time, I'm going to say, Melson, forget about it. I'm not forgiving you anymore. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. If he sins against you 490 times, you forgive him. Now, here's the point. Somebody, some of us are like, we're adding up in our mind. Some of us really have a sheet at home. For, uh, you got that sheet at home. Okay, they're on 489. They, they, they sin against me one more time. I'm not forgiving them because Jesus said. But what Jesus was saying here, this is actually in a day. If somebody sins against you 490 times in a day, they got bigger issues than, uh, you know, you forgiving them. So Jesus was talking about a day. If they sin against you nine times in a day, but really... He's trying to say, listen, it's beyond what you can see. And then he tells them why. But you keep reading in verse 22. Jesus said, I did not tell you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, this is a parable now, which means it's a story. It's an analogy. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But he was not able to pay. So his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and the payment might be made. The servant, therefore, fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me. I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was so moved to compassion, he released him and forgave him his debt. Let me bring this in the 21st century for you. Miranda is working for Bill Gates. She is a computer software engineer. She has asked Bill Gates for a loan to start her own pet business. She wants to make real pets look like Chia pets. So she's gonna start her own pet business and she asked Bill Gates for a personal loan of $10 million, okay? She's all excited now. She's got this $10 million from Bill Gates. She's worked out how she's gonna pay it back. She's, she knows she's gonna start this business that you know it's gonna be booming. People are gonna be buying these real Chia pets all the time. And then what happens is uh, the business flops. And Miranda ends up back at McDonald's flipping burgers, and she's hoping that she can make enough money to pay back Bill Gates. She's only really, she hasn't paid back a dime yet, so she's hoping she's going to make enough money just to pay back Bill Gates. And Bill says to one of his advisors, listen, we need to make a $10 million investment. Where am I going to get $10 million just like that? And and he says, "Pull pull pull out my accounts. So they pull the records and they find out Miranda borrowed $10 million from Bill Gates last year. Actually, it was three years ago. Let's go back and find out why she hasn't started making payments on that. So they pull Miranda in the office and Bill says, Miranda, how's the chia, real chia pet business going? And she said, well, I'm actually back at McDonald's flipping burgers and I am hope to pay you back sometime soon. And uh, he says, well, I'm going to have to sell you and your family into slavery and I'm going to take your dog. All those dogs even trying to turn into chia pets, I'm going to take them all and I'm going to sell everything that you have until you can pay me back that 10 million dollars and then Miranda says no please and no no she falls on her face before Bill Gates and Bill Gates because he's such a wonderful guy he's so moved to compassion and he loves chia pets so that helps so he's so moved to compassion he says you know what Miranda I'm gonna forgive that 10 million dollar debt you go off and go back to McDonald's okay so that's what he says he releases her now just get that picture in your head okay let's get let's, let's go back to verse 28 now okay But that very same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison until he should pay the debt. Okay, watch this now. Miranda goes back to McDonald's and last week... She lent somebody 10 cents. Now watch this because this is, she lent somebody 10 cents. She has just been forgiven a debt of $10 million. But last week she, left, she lent somebody 10 cents. and she, At work, she's back at McDonald's. Now she's all high and mighty because she got forgiven $10 million by Bill Gates. And she grabs her friend by the shirt and says, give me my 10 cents. And her friend says, I, I can't give it right now. I, I don't have it. I don't have it, but just give me time and I'll pay it back. And she says, no. And so she, she, she tells the manager, she says, fire this person. And so her coworker gets fired. Now, what I want you to see is that how much was Miranda forgiven of? And how much did her friend owe her? There's a big difference there, isn't there? And you know, Jesus is telling us, now we don't understand denarii and, and all these other things, but that's the difference. It's like, Her friend owed her 10 cents, and she owed $10 million, and she got forgiven of that debt. Let's keep reading now. Verse 31, so when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were grieved, and they came and told the master all that had been done. Then his master, after he called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not have also had compassion on your friend or your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly father will also do if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Jesus is speaking a very, very stern word. He's saying if you want to be forgiven by God, you need to first forgive the people that have sinned against you, the people that have offended you. You know, maybe it was literally money that you lent somebody, and they never paid you back. And now you go around telling everybody how much they can't be trusted. They're such a terrible person. And it was something like a dollar or two. And why are you guys staring at each other? Okay, just... <laughs> That's what today is all about, okay? Who need to get forgiven before we leave church? Jesus is saying, if you, if you want to be forgiven, you must first forgive. And, and what the truth that Jesus is communicating here, the sin, our sin against God is worth so much. I mean, the payment, the price of our sin is greater than $10 million. And yet, we have a hard time forgiving a family member who offends us. We have a hard time forgiving a friend who stabbed us in the back. I know they did you wrong, but we did God wrong and yet he has chosen to forgive us. See, this is the way that God works. God has freely forgiven us. Forgiveness flows freely from the heart of God because of something called grace. Now, God expects that because it flows freely from him, it's supposed to come to you and through you. In other words, he has forgiven you freely, and so we should forgive others. But the truth is, there are those of us in this room right now who are still holding grudges against people, who still cannot forgive that sin, who still cannot forgive that offense because the offense to us is so great. And Jesus is trying to communicate, listen, you think that offense is bad? Your sin is worth, it. the payment for your sin is so much greater than that tiny little offense that's happened here on this earth. I was 18 years old. There was somebody who had... Uh, really, really hurt one of my family members. I mean, to a, to a degree that's just so wrong, so ungodly, so wrong. And i tell you the truth, that I had vowed, I had made a vow, that I, if, if it took me to the day that I died, that I would kill this person. I had made a vow that I would do that and i would sit there every day and ponder about how i would kill this person very torturous a very slow painful death i would i envisioned everything everything that i would use everything that would happen how i would do it i'd be sitting upstairs in a blue chair in the sanctuary thinking about this while the pastors preaching think i'm not i'm not joking thinking about this while, the, while praise and worship is going on. And about 18 years old, God completely turned my life around. He revealed himself so plainly to me. And then one day I was just getting ready. I was just doing my thing. I found myself on the floor in the bathroom, which happens to me all the time. I still don't understand why. But I'm on the floor in the bathroom, and I'm just talking to God. And God says, you need to forgive that person. I'm like, no, God. Oh, but I vowed that I would kill them because they, they brought such a great hurt to my family. And he says, listen, if you don't forgive him, then I can't forgive you. And your sin is greater than that offense that that person did to you. And it was one of the hardest things that I've ever had to do. I called up that person. I didn't just forgive. I was was wrestling with God. I was not going to forgive this person because I had vowed to destroy their life. So I was not going to forgive this person. But after wrestling with God, he obviously won. He always wins. And I finally gave into it. And I didn't just say, okay, God, I'm going to forgive this person. But I called that person up. And I said, listen, I said, I'm here to tell you that I forgive you because God has commanded me to forgive you. Well, I didn't I didn't do it. No, I'm not not here to talk about what you did or didn't do. But I'm here to tell you that in order for me to move on with my life and be the man God wants me to be, I need to forgive you and walk away from this conversation and let this go. And I did. We met in the mall because I probably would have still tried to kill him if we met in a private setting. So we met in the mall, we went for a walk, and I talked, I told him, I said, God's commanding me to forgive you. You deal with God about what you did or didn't do, but I forgive you. And I walked away from that conversation, and I didn't feel good right away, because I really wanted to end his life because of the hurt that he had caused my family. And so God began to show me something that day that really, this whole point about how great our sin is in comparison to how people have hurt us. But the other truth is that, There's a freedom that comes in forgiveness. When we let unforgiveness live in our hearts, most people don't realize unforgiveness can be the root cause of sickness and disease, of bitterness, of anger, of depression. Most people don't realize that what they got going on on the inside or the physical ailments they might have are a result of unforgiveness. And there's a freedom that comes when you make a decision to forgive somebody who's hurt you. Think about it. Think about that person you're so mad at. All you do is sit there and think about how they've hurt you. And every time you hear it, you say, oh, I've forgiven them. I've forgiven them. And then somebody mentions their name. And you're just like, ugh. You have to, like, walk away. I'm a Christian. You know, somebody mentions their name or you see them in the hallway. And you're like, i have forgiven them. I'll forgive you. I'm about to knock you out. i forgive you. I'm trying to tell yourself that you've forgiven them, but you really haven't. Check out this next story that Jesus, that, that, that Jesus shares with us. Go over to where's this story real quick. Matthew nine, a couple pages to the left. Matthew nine. It's a great story. Matthew nine verse one. "There is a freedom that comes in forgiveness, and in fact, unforgiveness. Can lead to sickness and disease. It can lead to mental instability, emotional instability. Matthew chapter 9, verse 1. So Jesus got on a boat and crossed over and came to his own city. Then behold, they brought him to the paralytic, they brought a paralytic to him, excuse me, someone who was paralyzed, lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. Verse 3. And at once some of the scribes within, within themselves said, This man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Arise and walk? But that you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Arise take up your bed and go to your house and he arose and departed to his house now when the multitude saw it they marveled and glorified God who had given such power to men this story is a great example because this is exactly what we're talking about your sins are forgiven you see when Jesus forgave his sins life came back to his body and remember our sins can't be forgiven Jesus said not Kurt not Mr. Kurt Jesus said if you want to be forgiven, you must first forgive others. that's the way that God works it and it, it's right there in Matthew chapter six, verse 12 and 14 fifteen we just read it. So Jesus says to this man, "Your sins are forgiven." See when we are forgiven and when we in turn forgive others, there's life that gets restored to our body when you are When you are full of unforgiveness and you're bitter and you're angry, you can make yourself really sick. You can make yourself really depressed. And the truth is we don't acknowledge sometimes that that's what's really bothering us is that we're we're unforgiving towards somebody and we're dealing with anger inside of our hearts. But if you will just forgive, then you open up the windows of heaven for God to forgive you and you release something. Not just a burden, but you literally release something And you can arise, take up your bed, and walk because your sins are forgiven and you're not holding unforgiveness towards somebody else. Now the truth is that there are those of us in this room right now who have not forgiven somebody who has hurt us, us, a family member, a friend, doesn't matter. But you are so holding that in your heart that you can't even receive God's forgiveness in your life. And God is telling you this morning, He's already laid it on your heart earlier. You're already convicting your heart and He's doing it right now. That in order for you to move forward in a relationship with him, you must forgive. You must release that. Because when you release that, you give him the opportunity to come in and fill you up with what you need. I would like you just to stand to your feet. Put your Bibles down, stand to your feet, please.